Next up, Campaign Beat, a weekly political analysis program produced by Montana Public Radio. Campaign Beat is hosted by Sally Mock and features Lee Newspaper State News Bureau Chief Holly Michaels and Rob Saldine of the University of Montana's Mansfield Center and Political Science Department. Here's Sally. Holly, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Ryan Bussey held a press conference in the Capitol Rotunda this week, and he outlined what his priorities will be if elected and how his administration would be the opposite of the incumbent Greg Gianforte's. Yeah, this was the Democratic Challenger's first big press conference since he announced, and he had some really sharp criticisms of Gianforte. At a few points, he actually called Gianforte fascist and then made some pretty pointed critiques of the administration. He did also offer up a couple policy points. Those included things like a housing program he said would target first responders, law enforcement, and other essential workers, and provide affordable housing, possibly through subsidies paid for by higher taxes on second homes owned by out-of-staters. He also said he would rebuild the state health department and fish, wildlife, and parks, two agencies that he accused Gianforte of dismantling. He also said he would end Gianforte's task force that was recently formed to look at rising property taxes. Bussy said he thinks that's nothing but a way for Republicans to end up recommending that Montana needs a sales tax. And instead, he said he wants to see the legislature review the rates each type of property are assessed and lower the burden on residential owners, increase it on commercial properties. He also drew some pretty sharp contrast between his stance on abortion and Gianforte's. Outside of policy, Bussey was pretty blunt in his assessment of the state GOP and Gianforte, and he worked really hard to paint them as out of touch in passing policies that have favored the wealthy. A lot of the press conference felt like it was aimed at tapping into this feeling that Montana isn't the place it used to be, that it's too extreme, not livable or affordable for people who've been here a long time. And Bussey laid the blame for that at Gianforte's feet. And I think that's something we're going to hear a lot from him this year. I think Bussey thinks he can tap into Republicans who are frustrated with how things are going. He pointed to, you know, higher property taxes, say Gianforte, he's put a lot of that blame on local county commissions. Bussey says a lot of those commissioners are talking to him about their frustrations and he thinks he'll be able to sway people like that. He also thinks he'll be able to sway a Republican woman who he thinks are just as frustrated about abortion laws passed as Democrats. And generally, he pitched this idea he thinks that he can find common ground over things like good schools and affordable communities. But I think we know that's going to be a pretty heavy lift to peel off enough Republican support that led Gianforte to a landslide victory in 2020. Along those lines, here's what Bussy had to say about his chances of winning the governor's seat. I have a lot of hope that the state is about ready to stand up and say, we may have reflexively voted R, but we didn't vote for this. This radicalized brand of anti-freedom. Rob, that's a pretty optimistic take. (laughs) Yeah, it sure is, Sally. I mean, I suppose that's possible. I just haven't seen much in the way of any evidence to support some kind of uh, widespread pushback on Gianforte's agenda. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't have some vulnerabilities. As we've discussed, Gianforte does have a problem on the property tax front, and that can easily and and rather accurately even be framed 
uh, as you noted, Holly, as a giveaway essentially to the wealthy and corporations at the expense of the little guy. So Bussy should be able to sell some tickets there. It's also true that there have been some uh, high profile instances of what Bussy here calls anti-freedom concerning books and schools and public libraries more generally, uh, some things coming out of the attorney general's office and, and so on. But even in those cases, it's not at all clear that there's a widespread panic over this stuff. Certainly, some activists are upset, but it's not clear that that trickles down very far into the electorate and is causing a, a big rethink on the part of Republican voters. And even to the extent it does, it's balanced by GOP messaging that cuts in the other direction over critical race theory in schools and overreach on trans issues and so forth. And maybe just one more complicating point here, Sally, and in Gianforte's two legislative sessions, it occurs to me, I've, I've actually been a bit surprised that Republicans didn't try to push further on some things that Bussey might characterize as anti-freedom. There was, for instance, considerable concern in some quarters that the Republicans would go after the state constitution. And in fact, there was an attempt to go after the right to privacy, but it was rather clumsy and fell flat. But there was no real serious effort to go after clean, healthful environment, let alone the document as a whole. Holly, in the U.S. Senate race, Republican Congressman Matt Rosendale is yet to announce if he's going to run against Tim Sheehy in the Republican primary. But in a recent interview with far-right activist Steve Bannon, Rosendale accused Senators Steve Daines and Mitch McConnell of trying to bribe him not to run for the Senate. And here's what he said. They had selected their guy, and so they sent it through third-party okay. uh, information. What is it going to take to keep you out of this race? And Holly he then went on to say that he will be the nominee for the U.S. Senate, even though he has not officially filed. Yeah, Rosendale finally flat out and just came out and said it in this podcast, Steve Bannon's podcast. You know, after this went public on X, formerly known as Twitter, we wrote a story on it and a staffer walked back that statement saying Rosendale was just speaking in hypothetical. But I think this is still the clearest indication we've seen that we should expect Rosendale to join the Senate race sometime before the March filing deadline. And like you said, Sally, in that interview with Bannon, Rosendale really did not go lightly on Montana Republican Senator Steve Daines. You know, Rosendale said Daines threw everything possible at him to get him to not join this race, saying he has billionaires lined up to spend against him. And Daines heads up the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which is the committee that has handpicked Republican Tim Sheehy to run for the Senate seat in the Republicans' attempt to defeat Tester. But clearly, like we hear in this interview, Rosendale is not deterred by any of this. And we've seen him in his official capacity as a congressman making a lot of stops recently in the state, including pretty heavily in Bozeman, which is not in his eastern congressional district, which is probably an indication as well. You know, Rob, I don't think I've ever seen such public animosity between two Republican members of Montana's congressional delegation. This is really unprecedented. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Sally. And this has to be very frustrating to uh, not only Steve Daines, but also Mitch McConnell. They desperately want to win back the Senate majority, and, and they worry uh, appropriately that nominating extreme candidates like Rosendale could jeopardize that. There's been a lot of talk about this very dynamic playing out in the last few cycles where you've had the GOP losing some winnable seats because Donald Trump has endorsed terrible candidates who rode his endorsement to the nomination, but then crashed and burned in the general election. 
And that's all true, except to the extent, I think, that it's portrayed as some weird Trump era deviation from the norm. In fact, this exact dynamic has been plaguing the party for a couple decades and has cost it seats and places it really should have been winning long before Trump showed up. And so Danes and McConnell have a lot invested in trying to uh, avoid that from happening this cycle. To, to me, Sally, it's another moment that just reveals how weak the parties are as institutions. You know, back in the old smoke-filled room days, McConnell and Danes, they would have gotten their way. But beginning in the early 1970s, we had these series of reforms that were undertaken, and they had the effect of, for better or worse, shifting most of the power away from party leaders and placing it in the hands of primary voters. So Rosendale is right in that respect. He, he doesn't have to cower in fear just because Danes and McConnell don't like him. The primary voters are the ones who are going to determine the nominee, uh, not the old bosses in Washington. And at this point, I totally agree with Hawley. I don't see how Rosendale can pull the plug on this thing. It would be, I think, humiliating, in fact, to throw in the towel at this point after the conversation with Steve Bannon. Mm -hmm. Well, he's hardly cowering because Rosendale Hawley is campaigning this week in Montana with notorious Republican Congressman Matt Gates. They're making several stops. Yeah, they've got an event in Bozeman, which is pretty critical territory for this Senate race. There's also one in Helena and then one in Joliet. And I think, you know, Rob was just saying where Rosendale falls in Congress, you know, with Matt Gates there, they were pretty critical in ousting former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. This is probably showing that Rosendale really isn't backing down from his far right persona and embracing that as he's considering entering this primary. Meanwhile, Rob, the incumbent, Senator John Tester, is running frequent TV ads like this one. I love teaching hunter education and passing on Montana's outdoor heritage to the next generation. When I heard the Biden administration was trying to block funding for gun safety in hunter education classes, I knew John Tester would do what he always does, give him hell. John got his Republican colleagues on board to stop Biden's policy and defend our Second Amendment rights. Montanans know John always defends our way of life from anyone, no matter what. I'm John Tester, and I approve this message. I think this ad, Rob, is less about Hunter education and more about how Senator Tester is standing up to President Biden. Yeah, look, I mean, Democrats in places like Montana, and, and for that matter, Republicans in blue areas, they need to find ways to distinguish themselves from the National Party, because if all this election comes down to is an effective referendum on which political party Montanans prefer, the Republican is going to win, and it's not going to be close. So for Tester, guns is a great issue to lean into. It's an issue that a lot of people care about, but beyond that, it's as much of a cultural signal as it is about the gun issue per se. And of course, it runs directly counter to the broader perception people with good reason have about the Democratic Party. There's a direct critique, as, as you noted, of, of the Biden administration. There's an appeal to the Montana way of life and so on. Well, all of this serves to communicate a key tester theme that he really needs to remind voters of, that he isn't just another zombie Democrat off Chuck Schumer's assembly line who will do whatever Joe Biden tells him to do. One other thing I notice here, Sally, is that all of this is wrapped up in hunter safety. Now, progressives are just never going to love a pro-Second Amendment ad like this from Tester. And of course, that's not the audience he's trying to appeal to here. But the focus of this ad, again, it's on gun safety, hunter training. Well, this is at least somewhat less objectionable to the left as well. Well, lastly, Holland Rob, former Governor Steve Bullock, who briefly ran for president four years ago, 
is currently role-playing a president in a documentary film that premiered this week at the Sundance Film Festival. What's that film about, Holly? So it's called War Game, and it's a documentary about a simulation put on by a group called Vet Voice Freedom. It features Bullock as a fictional president leading a group of lawmakers and military leaders through a response to a fictionalized version of January 6, where a group that sounds a lot like the Oath Keepers attempts to take the U.S. Capitol and other state capitals around the country. Rob, the premise of this film doesn't seem all that far-fetched, that there might be a civil war coming out of a presidential election year. Yeah, not exactly a feel-good movie, doesn't sound like, Sally. Um, Yeah, you know, it sure looks like we're in for quite a year. And it's well to be thinking about various scenarios that could take place. Hopefully it doesn't come to what's portrayed in the movie, but after January 6th, it'd be foolish to not prepare for the worst. Well, it's interesting that uh, Governor Bullock is featured in this film, too. It's been another interesting week of politics. Rob and Holly, thank you so much. We'll get back to it next week. Thanks, Sally. Thanks, Sally. You've been listening to Campaign Beat, a weekly political analysis program produced by Montana Public Radio. Campaign Beat features Rob Saldine of the University of Montana's Mansfield Center and Political Science Department, Lee Newspaper State News Bureau Chief Holly Michaels, and hosted by Sally Mock. Join us next week for more analysis of Montana politics.